Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year, and I hope you had a safe and healthy holiday. And if you like this video that we are about to do, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, ring that notification bell. And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer, for our first podcast discussion of 2021. Hey, what's going on, Nate? It's great to be back. 2021, got an interesting year to uh, to uh, look forward to, and I'm excited to be back in the chair and, and chatting with you on, on the show. Yeah, 2021 is definitely going to be an exciting year for gaming. We are now on the new dawn of the next generation with PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X having launched. And there's a lot of great software from those two companies coming out over the course of 2021, be it games like Ratchet & Clank or Halo Infinite. But then we still have Nintendo, who is going into their fourth year, or it's going to be the fourth birthday and fifth year of the Nintendo Switch. And Nintendo is still producing software at a solid pace, even though 2020 was a rough year for them, mostly due to the pandemic. But we had Animal Crossing release, and it was a worldwide phenomenon. We had 3D All-Stars. We had Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. And towards the end of the year, Nintendo kind of hit a new stride. And it looks like they're going to take that momentum into 2021 and carry it far beyond, maybe even to 2022. Even though right now, officially, all we know from Nintendo is that they have Super Mario, 3D World, and Bowser's Fury releasing in just a couple of weeks. I believe it is February 12th is when that game will release, and we're still waiting for information as to exactly what Bowser's Fury is. But then we have Capcom, which will have Monster Hunter Rise coming out in March, and we have Bravely Default 2 coming out. And we also have a smattering of some other third-party games like Persona, Strikers. So Nintendo's first three months is looking... I'd say fairly strong, especially in comparison to 2020, which I believe it only had Tokyo Mirage sessions. And yeah. this is looking substantially better than that. Nintendo started 2020 or 2021 with some big news, and it happened overnight. It's that Nintendo has acquired their Canadian longtime partner, Next Level Games. And for those who may not be familiar with the name, they were the developers of Luigi's mansion dark moon or and luigi's mansion 3 they also did the mario strikers franchise on the gamecube and wii and they made punch out wii and they've been serving as a second party for nintendo since i believe 2014 and this acquisition took many by surprise because nintendo is not a company that very often makes such deals they're more of a studio who likes to do contract work we've seen it with studios like bandai namco platinum and Next Level Games was a prime example of this. And finally, Nintendo has added another development studio to their staple. And this is one of their few Western developers now, Retro being their other more prominent Western developer, and they're based in Texas. Next Level Games is Vancouver-based. And this is a fantastic acquisition for Nintendo. Yeah, uh, massive, massive acquisition. A really good move. And um, I think I think a very positive one. It'll be interesting to see where next level is kind of thrown into as far as you know um, what they're going to be working on. You know, Nate, do you think they're going to um, jump in and assist? And I'm going to pick on Retro Studios with Metroid Prime Four, or do you <laughs> think maybe they they're, they're working on something that's you know obviously under wraps that we don't know about yet? 
or maybe a combination of both. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure on the number of employees at Next Level Games, but um, what do you think? Um, you know, what do you think the the kind of the the first twelve month outlook will be for for Next Level as far as uh, their output? I could see them definitely going into that ladder of how you mentioned i can see them they're working probably on a new project but they also could definitely be an assistance team to retro for metroid prime 4 because next level games does have some experience with the metroid prime franchise they were the developers of metroid prime federation force the ill-begotten 3ds metroid prime game that was announced at the wrong time released at the wrong time and it is a game people hate with an extreme prejudice Mm -hmm. Not because the gameplay itself was poor, but it wasn't the Metroid game anyone wanted. Yeah. And the chibi look didn't really resonate with people. But they do have experience with that franchise, and I could see them assist Retro in some way, because Retro is definitely in a tough spot, it appears. Not necessarily with the development of Metroid Prime 4, but more so as a studio as a whole. They have lost talent. Some of that talent went on to Bluepoint. And this is no longer the retro studios from the original Metroid Prime trilogy. This is a very different team. Yeah. It's not even the same team from Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. It's a different company now. And Next Level has proven time and time again they are a very capable team. Luigi's Mansion 3, in terms of visuals and animation, is simply astonishing, especially what they were able to produce on hardware like the Switch. It's incredible, and it's probably my favorite game of 2019 on on the switch all all said and done there were some big releases that year yeah and one thing i could say about next level games is all of their games just ooze personality it's that the facial animations the looks of the characters the way they react and respond to events it's really inspiring what they've been able to produce so I could see them assist retro on metro prime 4 maybe to speed up the development a little bit cuz in the press release one of the goals of this acquisition is to speed up projects. And <laughs> Nintendo also has ambition to beef up the team. So they really want to position Next Level Games as a bigger studio yeah. for them to utilize into the future. And they may become Nintendo's most prominent Western developer and take that place from Retro. If, yeah. I mean... As we said, Retro hasn't really produced a game in a number of years, and Next Level Games has been there putting out quality fairly consistent. So Next Level Games may actually be Nintendo's most prominent Western developer now that they have been purchased by the studio, though it will be made official, I believe it's March 1st? Yeah, March 1st is, is when, when the ink is dry on the on the deal. <laughs> so, so but my question to you, Nate, is, Nintendo isn't really in the business of mergers and acquisitions. I mean, you know, they'll do it. Right. They've done it before, obviously, but they're not they're not that type of company where they just go and buy buy studios and buy you know assets and IP like someone like say Microsoft does. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're a lot more as we know with the Bethesda deal. But Microsoft have have a, a long drawn out history of purchasing companies, not just in in video games, but just in general if there's a, a specific type of IP they're interested in or a company that they wish to acquire. Nintendo is nothing like that. They're very more conservative when it comes to, you know, mergers and acquisitions. Why do you mm-hmm. think they ended up making this deal with Next Level? Do you think it was... I mean, obviously, they're a very talented studio. They've got a 
extremely impressive portfolio of games um not everything is nintendo specific obviously they've done stuff on the xbox 360 the playstation 2 the playstation 3 for example but do you think this was a case of they wanted the the personnel there that have you know a lot of experience with making video games like luigi's mansion 3 or do you think this was more a we want the the tech that you guys have you've got you guys have some have built some really really cool tech around um the stuff that you do and and we're interested in that i think it was a multi-prong approach because when i was reading the press release about the deal it seems as though the shareholders and stakeholders at next level games they were looking to sell up so they were looking for buyers and probably given their long-term relationship with nintendo they probably expressed this to them fairly recent depending on when these deals were actually discussed and unlike what nintendo did with rare nintendo decided to actually bite this time Mm -hmm. they could recognize the technology they recognized the talent and they said this is a good deal for us let's make the studio bigger let's bring them into our fold we can share technology we can share you know assets and both of us benefit from this and it really does draw parallels to the sale of Rare because Rare presented Nintendo with a similar deal. Nintendo at the time owned 49% of Rare. So the outstanding shares was 51% and that was owned by the Stamper Brothers. Yeah. Now what happened is the Stamper Brothers went to Nintendo and they said, here's your opportunity. Do you want to have full control of us? And Nintendo hesitated. They said, no. Microsoft came in bought the 51% from the Stamper Brothers, and then then Microsoft bought the outstanding shares from Nintendo. And that's how they came to acquire Rare. In this case, had Nintendo not acted, Next Level Games could have gone to a Sony, a Microsoft, an Activision, an EA. Any company could have purchased them. And then that would have put Nintendo actually in a bad situation of, we've lost one of our most loyal and consistent partners. Yeah, yeah. And this really just seems a case of Nintendo wasn't window shopping for a developer. An opportunity fell on their lap and they took it. Yeah. And they're going to benefit huge from this. And it's exciting. I mean, I'm very happy for the employees at next level games. They have a passion for producing Nintendo games. We've seen it with all of the releases they've put out. And for Nintendo to recognize that talent is no short feat. Absolutely. So, and if Nintendo can take advantage of some of that technology that they have at next level games, we're going to see that possibly pay dividends in the next, you know, 3D Mario game that comes out, you know, down the line. Maybe they utilize some of that facial animation or even just that visual style. They don't just keep that traditional EAD Tokyo look. Yeah. They take some of what next level games produced. They communicate with each other and they learn from each other. So this could really help Nintendo. And having a Western developer, that's really something Nintendo has needed in recent years. They had it way back in the GameCube era. Right. But they sold off all those studios because you had developers like Left Field. You had NST, Mm -hmm. who developed games like Wave Race, who have since only developed titles like Mario versus Donkey Kong. And you had Retro, who was big during the GameCube era. So it's nice to see Nintendo expanding a bit i still expect nintendo to play a very conservative game i don't think this is the start of nintendo making numerous acquisitions this was just this is a great deal 
they want to sell. We want to keep them under our umbrella. Let's make a deal. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think they're shopping around to buy studios in the same way Microsoft is. But I also feel like, you know, they they had no, I don't want to say they had no choice. They, they Of course they had a choice, but this deal did fall into their laps. And they, look, they probably got next level for a good price as well. You know, so I think um, I think it's it's a great deal. My my only other question about this deal, Nate, is: Will we see Super Mario Strikers two? <laughs> I would love to see that happen. Probably more than anybody else. Super Mario Strikers on the GameCube was one of my favorite and most played games of that generation. But ironically enough, Strikers is one of those games that had made Nintendo Lizzle hesitant <laughs> about what developers could do with mario characters because if you remember in strikers you had waluigi doing yep. the ever famous wwf suck it <laughs> motion you, you had daisy lick her finger and put it to her butt and steam would come off and yeah i don't see modern day nintendo wanting mario out there doing suck it yeah on a soccer field but <laughs> it'd be cool though it would be cool that game had so much attitude and that's what made it so great it was so, it was unlike anything you saw nintendo develop at the time yeah. and it was a lot of fun it was such a fun soccer game so i hope they do make a new strikers one day but i think i would take a new punch out too i would i would definitely take a new punch out that was um that was a great game obviously um i mean they they did the the uh the wii version on on yes. uh on in 2009 and, and then they did the doc lewis's punch out that came out for the wii shop as well <laughs> man those games are great obviously boxing games haven't aged particularly well but i mean if if there's one <laughs> if there's one franchise and one studio to bring back a boxing game i think nintendo is is the one with a new punch out game i think that'd be kind of cool yeah it's definitely seems like right now sky's the limit with next level games and nintendo they could they could easily have them say, "Hey, make your make a new IP. Let's see what you guys can do originally." And that's something that, as Nintendo, you probably weren't going to give them the opportunity when they weren't part of your actual company. Yeah. As a contract employee, it's tough to say make a new IP because you you're not sure what you're going to get, and you don't want to invest all this money and say, "Okay, that didn't work." Because as a contract developer, if they pull the plug on your project you're stuck you're kind of saying oh no what do we do now you have that security now next level games can get creative produce new ips and i mean i don't want them to become the luigi's mansion team i want them to expand and try new ideas because they've clearly have shown great talent yeah and it's time to leverage it i want nintendo to leverage them the best they can and utilize them just as well as any internal first party development studio at ncl let next level games shine because i think they will be they'll surpass retro in five years time yeah and i thought about what you just said you know previously i i do think their first order of business will be to step in and and assist retro with metroid prime 4 i mean i'm not saying that metroid prime 4 is in is in you know is in trouble or anything but obviously that Mm -hmm. game has I mean, it's been it's been talked about for years, right? So, um, <laughs> next level games know how to ship games. They've got great tech. They've got great people. They know the switch. They know the hardware. They've, they've already proven themselves. 
I think, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the first order of business will be to, I'm not saying send the entire team to help out, but they'll definitely be assisting with Metroid Prime 4, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And Nintendo is no stranger to taking developers within their umbrella to assist on other projects. A lot of people will recognize that Monolith, the developers of Xenoblade, they have an entirely separate team that is strictly for assets, and that team had assisted Nintendo on Breath of the Wild. They're likely doing the same with Breath of the Wild 2. So Nintendo is a company that shares. Yeah, They take talent from other areas, and they say, we need assistance on this. And especially with the way working conditions are now, a lot of work from home, next-level games could still offer assistance to Retro once this deal is ink and dried. And... I think that would benefit retro in a big way. It's not it's not a reflection of them being a poor developer or being in a bad state. It's just, just a case not. of we've been waiting for this game for a number of years now. We have another yeah. talented studio that can help you. Let's bring them on to assist. And it's more of a case of let's just get the project going a little quicker if we can. Yeah. Absolutely. So, exciting times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great great announcement great way to to kind of start the year and who would have thought nintendo would be the one that that would announce you know the acquisition of a a studio i mean we know that microsoft continue to you know to tease that there's more more coming and and sony obviously are no strangers to opening up their checkbooks um to purchase studios as well but nintendo doing it just was i I think any of us expected it to happen the way it did no, out of those three companies, Nintendo was definitely placed third in terms of the next company to make an acquisition because, I mean, it's just Nintendo's history. They're very reluctant to make such deals, but this was definitely a case of an offer they couldn't refuse, and I'm glad they didn't refuse this because I think a lot of people would have been upset if you saw Next Level Games get purchased by a Microsoft just because they have such a caliber of quality Nintendo software in their portfolio. And a lot of people based on reactions I have seen, people already assume Next Level Games was a Nintendo first-party developer. I had to double-check double, double check it as well, to be honest, Nate. I wasn't sure when, <laughs> when the, the news was announced. I was like, I thought these guys already were, but no, I mean, they clearly weren't. Yeah, they were kind of like that insomniac to Sony back in the day where they were just committed to Sony platforms, but they were an independent developer. Yep. And... A lot of people just assumed that they were purchased. And a funny story with Next Level Games is that when they put out Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon for the 3DS, a lot of the reception in Japan, because the game's sales in Japan were enormously strong, some Japanese thought the game was in-house developed by Nintendo due to the quality, the visuals, and everything. So that's just a testament to how good Next Level Games truly are. Absolutely. So that's an outstanding start for Nintendo. And now we have to move into this topic because this is going to be the topic that everyone is wondering about. It's January. And every January, the same set of rumor hits, especially in Nintendo circles. It's when is Nintendo going to have their first Direct of the Year? (laughs) (laughs) And 2020 set a new precedent to how Nintendo Directs are handled. Nintendo introduced the Nintendo Direct Partner Mm -hmm. presentation. And... That was a new initiative for them. They did it from, I believe it was July until November. That's, yeah. And 
they mixed in a few minis and they utilized Twitter drops a lot in 2020. And a lot of this was due to COVID. And unfortunately, the situation, we are only a few days into 2021, I understand. But the situation with COVID really hasn't improved all that much. Japan has shut down their borders until the middle of February. England is on a new lockdown and cases in North America are skyrocketing, which means there's still going to be the situation of workers are working from home. And when you work from home, it is very difficult to coordinate between NCL, NOA, and NOE. And what that means is it's hard to make a general direct. I I am of the opinion that we will start to see general directs start up again, Nate, um, only really because I think this year is a important year for Nintendo. Not not that's not to say last year was not, but last year was you know they they had enough kind of in in the uh, in the storage locker you know to to basically get get them through without really you know I mean without really hurting them their, their marketing in any way they. They had Pikmin three. They had Age of Calamity was was another big one. They had the uh, Super Mario three D All Stars. So I mean, they had they had stuff that was kind of lined up and ready to go. But this year is, I mean, this year is different. This year is a big year for Nintendo. There's a lot of anniversaries that are that are uh, you know are, are coming up or are, are, are this year. Um, and I, I think we're going to go through you know talk about those. But I think that we will start to see the generals start up again. I think even though it is, we are still very much in COVID right now. Um, I think Nintendo has to find a way to, you know, to go back to that older, older method. I think Twitter drops made sense last year, especially when you talk about, you know, something like Pikmin three, which was a game, like I said, that's, that's been, (laughs) that's kind of been in their, in their, you know, in their closet um, for a while where they were just finding the right time, you know, but this year is different. I think we, we kind of know what's, what's coming up until, you know, March, but after that, we, we don't, we don't have no idea what's, what's coming this year. We suspect there is quite a few announcements that will come this year. Obviously Legend of Zelda is, is one that I think is on the minds of a lot of people with regards to, a collection or and or breath of the wild too so mm-hmm. i think i think the directs will will come um where, now when when they actually return i couldn't really say i mean my 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 speculation for directs is probably zero out of ten right now as far as my you know my accuracy <laughs> on these but i would say i would expect to see something by you know march that we have our first direct of the year that could Man. be that could be very aggressive, but I'm feeling like they need to they need to communicate with um, you know what's going to happen right. um, after after Q1. It's definitely a unique situation because the coordination to make a general direct it requires a lot, and it, I don't think they have the infrastructure perfectly in place for that yet. And that's why we saw the birth of the partnership direct, and I could see them utilizing the partner or a direct mini for the majority of the first half of 2021. And that may disappoint some people, but right now, if you really look at how, I'll say well, the partner directs ended up doing once people adjusted to them, I think they, they serve their purpose well. Yeah. And 
Nintendo is kind of in that position where they can do their mini directs. Like, I suspect we probably have a mini in February. Mm-hmm. But I'll get into that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But I think for like a general direct, at the earliest, I would anticipate one, I'd say June. I think now, if they want to say, let's sit down and really start to coordinate a general direct, we have to do it in the long term. We can communicate with all of our other regions and maybe have that June E3 style general direct because they have a lot to communicate this year. Yeah. And you can lean on the minis and the partners and the Twitter directs. If you have to, you still get a lot of coverage. You still excite the fans. So you don't miss out on too much by utilizing those. But there's certain things you do want to have a big event for. Like if you have new hardware coming this year, it's not just going to be a miscellaneous random Twitter drop that you're going to wake up one morning and Nintendo said, hey, Switch Pro. They'll probably, you know, you're going to tease that. You're going to have Mario behind the curtain saying, what's happening tomorrow? Yeah. And then you have some sort of video presentation. But Nintendo does, there's a lot of anniversaries, as you mentioned. There's a lot of software that should be released this year. And you have to communicate this. And maybe maybe something in March. March is the end of their fiscal year. We're going to have the fiscal year report. And they're going to detail some of that lineup. You know, they're going to forecast hardware expectations, software expectations. And that's good information that we can then analyze and say, okay, we have an idea of what Nintendo is anticipating in terms of releases, potential sales for releases. And honestly, give us an idea of if they're anticipating the Switch Pro to release in 2021 or the fiscal year of April 1st, 2021 to March of 2022. So we should have substantial, uh, I guess, a roadmap by the end of March and early April. As for directs themselves, though, do you think? That, mean, do you think that whole? Th- I mean, yeah, Fur- uh, Furukawa did did say that they were looking at other ways to. Right. you know to to market and to communicate mm-hmm. um announcements do you think that that furikara is you know basically saying that look the general directs that that you guys know of is probably not in our plans you know indefinitely until we decide that they are again type of thing yeah i think that's kind of the situation with the general direct i don't think they're dead i don't think they have gone away permanently i do think we will see their return in 2021 it's really just a question of when do we see it and for that first half of the year i think we're going to see the partner the mini and just twitter drops play the primary role for nintendo announcements and i think that will be fine my one hope is that if they do do the partner directs announce it a day or two ahead of time yeah. Give us a little anticipation for what's happening. I understand they like to do those shadow drops. It was you just woke up, whoa, new announcements. That's cool. But let's let's build a little anticipation, you know, for those type of things. And I think our first mini is February for two reasons. One, The Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. It is its birthday month, and two, February twenty sixth is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. So you have two big anniversaries in February. And of those two, 
even if it's not Nintendo, the Pokemon company is going to have some sort of presentation for the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, regardless. So you think they'll have a mini for Pokemon, which, I mean, that that, that yes. makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know if, if the Pokemon company will be willing to kind of share that with the Legend of Zelda, though, and, and kind of put it all into one. Right. So, yeah, you could be right there. Like, I definitely see the Pokemon company having something in February. It's the 25th. We need date information for new Pokemon Snap. Or we need new information at all on that game. And typically, it's around February is when they start to communicate their plans for the year. So that seems like a lock. I'd put a lock in for some sort of presentation, be it a direct or not, for Pokemon in February. But does Nintendo acknowledge Zelda in February? Because right now, the anti- the expectation is Breath of the Wild 2 releases in 2021. This has not been communicated by Nintendo in any way. This is just fan expectation. Right. But it's the anniversary year. So we saw 3D All-Stars drop on the 35th birthday of the Mario franchise last September. I don't think because this fiscal year is still the Mario 35th anniversary, I don't think we see a Zelda collection release in February, but do they announce one in February or do they wait until the fiscal year concludes? Let Mario have his year, let the games be pulled from the eShop and store shelves on March 31st. And then in April, communicate plans for a Zelda collection in 2021. Yeah. If I was to predict, I would say, yes, I would, I would think the legend of Zelda stuff gets, you know, gets pushed after, after the Mario stuff is is out of the way. Yeah, it makes the most sense, and I would understand why they do that. I believe the 25th anniversary for Zelda, they kind of, I think they communicated plans a little earlier that year, but we didn't see the blowout until E3. That's where we saw the Skyward Sword trailer at E3. They had the orchestra, and, you know, it was a big celebration of Zelda, and it was fantastic. Now, with the Zelda anniversary, I'd say when you look at 3D All-Stars, it sets an expectation of what we could get for the Zelda collection if there is one in 2021. And the most obvious pick is Twilight Princess HD, Wind Waker HD. Yeah, Those games are have been HD'd on the Wii U, so the majority of the work is done. My hope is that one of the omissions of Twilight Princess on the Wii U was that it didn't have gyro or motion control. And if they can incorporate Gyro into a Wii, or, I mean, a Switch release, mm-hmm. I'd say that is the definitive edition. It's HD. It would have controls that as closely replicate the Wii releases as possible. And Wind Waker had Gyro, and that was pleasant to use. I just don't know if those two games in a single collection resonate celebration of Zelda. Because... They're just two HD yeah. Zeldas that we just go to Gen ago. Whereas 3D All-Stars, to its credit, you gave us three games that had never been HD'd. So it was like, wow, they're mo- they're more modernized. I think you have to add something else to a Zelda celebration this year beyond Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. I, I think what I do think, you do? Yeah, I think there's a third game in there somewhere. Um, I don't know which one it would be. I mean, they could just you know throw in Ocarina of Time, right? Um, we know that we know that there's an emulator available for it. It's possible they they could do that. But I feel like there's three games in this collection. I think two is two a collection or is two a I don't even know what you call it like a 
a double pack or something. I'm not sure what you call it. <laughs> but hey, I mean, we're, we're we're going into this a little gun shy, right? Because the 3D All Stars collection, for all intents and purposes, was a bit of a letdown as far as a collection itself, right? A limited edition collection. We've already talked about this before that it was, even though the games themselves are fine, um, the, the actual collection itself was is fine, we didn't really feel like it was anything special as far as a celebration of, of Mario. So we're kind of right. coming into this with, I guess, more grounded expectations. Um, I don't expect to see a, a huge, you know, step up from what we saw with Mario 3D All-Stars in a Zelda collection. But I do see, I do feel like there's a third game in there somewhere. I just don't know which one it could be. But it, right. just, it, it feels like three games to me instead of two. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Like. I know the obvious one people are probably screaming at us right now is Skyward Sword. Yeah. I think Skyward Sword gets the 3D world Bowser's Fury I, treatment. I agree with that. I, I think it's, it's it's a separate game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I had to add a third game into this collection, I'm going to go to the GameCube game that everyone forgets, and I'm going to say The Legend of Zelda Four Swords. <laughs> I mean, it could be. It could be Four Swords, or it, it could be... Uh, um, Phantom Hourglass. It could be anything. No, <laughs> um, it's probably not Phantom Hourglass. I mean, it could be uh, the the um, the 3DS game that was uh, that was good. Link Link Between Worlds. I mean, yes, that, that'd, that'd be good. A, a good third game to round out a collection. I think. And I think that's my struggle with these types of release is that when you say this is a celebration, this is an anniversary where we want to honor a franchise, I look at the games like the Kirby collection, where you had games from NES, Super Super NES, N64 on that collection. And when I look at the Zelda franchise, there are a lot of games that haven't been ported over to any other systems. Like, I look at the Switch. Right now, I can play Zelda 1, 2, Link to the Past, and... That's that's fine. That's a fine trilogy right there, plus Breath of the Wild. That's its own release, and Link's Awakening. Yeah. But then you look at the handheld line, and you still have the Oracle games. Yep. You still have Minish Cap, mm-hmm. which I can't play on the Switch. So if you want to make the celebration, either get those on Nintendo Switch Online in some way by adding Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games, or add N64 games to Nintendo Switch Online so I can play Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. Because if you're going to limit it to like plat or console games, we're really limited to just Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Four Swords, and Skyward Sword. And there's nothing wrong with these releases. But if you really want to push that celebration, 
dig deep into that back catalog yeah. and bring some of those older games and honor the legacy of the franchise. And that was my big issue with the 3D All-Stars collection is that it just didn't feel like it was honoring the legacy that is Mario. And I hope they do do a bigger representation of the Zelda franchise in any type of market or any type of product that they want to market as a 35th anniversary of the Zelda franchise. Because yeah. as good as Twilight Princess and Wind Waker are, if it's only those two games on a single package, it's kind of like these are two games you HD'd last generation and you really could have released these at any point of the Switch's lifespan. It didn't have to be the 35th anniversary. And to me, and people are going to get upset, but that's not a celebration to me. That's just, these were low-cost port efforts that we know you're going to buy for $60. And I hope Nintendo doesn't do it, but they had too much success with 3D All-Stars and the recent Fire Emblem release. But I can see the Zelda collection being another timed limited release yeah i i I think so too nate um it it has that feeling to it again i mean look that time limited release has worked for them as much as we don't like it as much as we feel it's anti-consumer and 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 all that stuff it does work for them from a marketing perspective it's a proven money maker for them so why would they deviate away from that i think they will absolutely do it and I mean, that's kind of the thing they were. They now they have set this idea of any anniversary collection that might be time limited. And next year has a lot of anniversaries. It's Donkey Kong's 40th anniversary, Zelda's 35th, Pokemon's 25th, Metroid's 35th. And touch on Metroid right now. I anticipate that 2021 is going to be a pretty big year for the Metroid franchise. I think we finally see the 2D game from Mercury's system or Mercury Steam. Mm hmm. And I also think we finally get the release of Metroid Prime Trilogy because that has the feel of a 35th anniversary collection type of celebration. It's going to be used as anticipation for Metroid Prime 4. And, you know, maybe you drop a trailer for Metroid Prime 4 this year as well to get people invested in that franchise again. And I fear the same thing for Metroid Prime Trilogy is that it's going to be time limited and I know people are going to counter this with, well, it was time limited on the Wii when Nintendo originally published it. And yes, it was. I believe it was manufactured for, it might have been six months, it might have been a year. And then GameStop did a reprint. Yep. But right now, you could turn on your Wii U and you can buy the game digitally. Nintendo never delisted the digital version of Metroid Prime Trilogy Collection. So if they do that again with like the Metroid Prime Trilogy Collection on Switch, like they're going to do to 3D All-Stars... It's just another case of why it's going to be great for fans to revisit the original Prime trilogy. They're great games. And I'm curious how Nintendo approaches the controls for Metroid Prime 3 on Switch. Yeah. Because I guess you could just turn your Switch with some gyro or you'd actually have to assign it to a button. But the way we saw them handle Mario Galaxy, maybe it's going to be use your finger, you're going to touch your screen and rotate <laughs> yeah i mean i think they'll come up with something that that you know is is good enough for for that game yes. um but yeah i i do agree that that metroid prime trilogy feels like it's it's coming this year it it, it seems like it's 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 something that's on the cards to come out for sure 
And yes, I do think it will be a, exclu- a timed exclusive once again, like like you said, like on on the uh, on the Wii. And again, it's just the nature of Nintendo. They they have um, proven themselves, you know, with this type of thing. And I don't see it really changing. It'll be great to see something from Metroid this year because we've been waiting a long time. But I mean, let's be all let's let's also be very clear that Metroid isn't a huge seller for Nintendo as well. So it also <laughs> you know gives me pause in that what is what is this trilogy going to entail? Is it going to be a sixty <laughs> FPS with widescreen and upresed and and just with you know with enhancements we've come to expect, or is it going to be a um, you know running emulation and essentially just being the same games that they were? Um, with a little bit of, you know, a fresh coat of paint like they did with the 3D All-Stars collection? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's really tough to, it's tough to guess at because we've seen them put in a lot of effort on some HD releases like Wind Waker or even Twilight Princess. And then we saw what they did with 3D All-Stars, which admittedly, as you mentioned, they were just emulators. Metroid Prime Trilogy, I feel like they want to make a bigger spectacle of. Yeah. You want to give that that Wind Waker, Twilight Princess type of treatment. Even though the games look great on Dolphin. Mm -hmm. But I think you want to go a little further with those games, or at least that's my hope. And, you know, again, celebrate that Metroid. Because as we talked, I mean, we touched on the Zelda 25th, expecting, you know, the collection and hopefully Breath of the Wild 2. Metroid with Metroid Prime 3 and a 2D Metroid this year. Pokemon... Pokemon is really tough. Yeah. I mean, it's the 25th. So my first instinct is if I'm the Pokemon company and I want to honor the legacy of this franchise, I'm giving you a release date for new Pokemon Snap. And I'm probably contemplating dropping Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow on the eShop in February. The original games, the games that started the phenomenon. And then in the holiday I know a lot of the rumor is that it's going to be Pokemon Diamond and Pearl remakes. Maybe it is. That's fine. That was the start of a new generation when those games launched. And I think if you took those into the modern era, a lot of people would be excited for those. A lot of a lot of people, Diamond and Pearl, those are their favorite games. So that's a nice way to honor the Pokemon. Yes. Go back to the roots. Give a modern remake of one of fan favorites. And you have a new Pokemon Snap game. And there's always a smattering of random Pokemon stuff scattered across a year. We still have like Pokemon Sleep, Detective Pikachu. I be- They announced for the Switch a couple of years ago now, and we haven't seen anything of it. So it could be a very busy year for Pokemon. But then we have Donkey Kong. Oh, boy. The 40th anniversary of Donkey Kong, a franchise that more or less built Nintendo. I mean, we've got Donkey Kong Country on Nintendo Switch Online. What else is there? We do. We have the we have the Donkey Kong Country trilogy. Yep. We have Tropical Freeze on the Switch as well. But what else? How do you celebrate Donkey Kong's 40th? If you do, as Nintendo, what do you do this year? Do you make a brand new Donkey Kong game? Or do you just make a... How, like, you bring over one of the arcade versions, like... I love Donkey Kong 94. Like versus Donkey Kong Game Boy. Yeah. I love that game. I don't know, Nate. I mean, I wonder um, I wonder if this one doesn't make the cut, honestly. 
like how and maybe maybe this is my ignorance a little bit but how popular is donkey kong right now um that's a good question i recognizable character but overall appeal in terms of games yeah probably unfortunately maybe mid-tier in nintendo's hierarchy of overall software because tropical freeze has sold decently i believe it's around three million now on the switch but i mean that's a 2d donkey kong game people love those we know retro isn't making a donkey kong country 3 so it would have to be somebody at like probably nintendo's internal development teams and they have made donkey kong games they made jungle beat yeah everyone loves the bongos and donkey konga Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah out of all these franchises it's really difficult to say how would nintendo celebrate donkey kong's anniversary and there's been rumors circulating that nintendo does have a brand new donkey kong game yeah. I just don't know what direction you take the franchise in to make it a meaningful release that you would want to continue with new releases moving forward. Because if you just want to do like a celebration release of Donkey Kong, I'd look to its roots. I'd look to right. the original arcade games. The original arcade game, while it's great, is also punishingly difficult. And it's <laughs> not, it's kind of, you know, point, you know, its entry point is is not really geared for just the casual player i mean i I, that's where i kind of struggle with it like um you know what do you what do you offer you know in 2021 for donkey kong other than some type of new 2d game or or something i mean you could you could potentially um you know add some type of collection or something um where you know they get the donkey kong country games and they you know up them upscale them and and maybe do something along those lines possibly um but they're already available on the nintendo switch online and look those games have aged really well they're still fantastic games to play today i i struggle with this one i don't know where donkey kong fits in 2021 i mean they could easily just um you know put him in a game you know as as a guest or something you know for a short time um you know animal crossing right they they just they just you know give him give him something in there to celebrate donkey kong or something you know it, it's very difficult right. to know or or i mean the other option is nate they they i mean you mentioned the original games they could do some mm-hmm. type of donkey kong 99 thing where they make it a, a tetris 99 type thing or um a mario 35 yes. type thing where it's a timed exclusive eShop only game where it's mm-hmm. got some type of cooperative you know multiplayer or or you know competitive multiplayer that allows you to um you know to uh to, to become the champion of donkey kong or something i mean i could see that i had that thought too you know let let everyone compete and we can have our own little billy mitchell versus yeah, steve weeb the king of kong type moment yeah <laughs> and the only other thought i had was if nintendo just putting aside the rumor that nintendo is developing a new donkey kong for 2021 my only other thought was why haven't we seen an HD release of Donkey Kong Country Returns? Right. It's and this is the part that really gets to me is that it exists. Yeah. It's on the Nvidia Shield in China in HD. Yeah. 
So why is it not on the Switch? And it's a similar situation to like Mario Galaxy was HD'd for the NVIDIA Shield. And everyone was thinking, well, why is it not on the Switch? And I'm having flashbacks to that where bring that game over. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's just a digital only game for 30 bucks, as long as you don't take it off the eShop, leave it there. And I think people would be curious to buy it. I mean, Tropical Freeze is superior in many, many ways. But there's no reason not to bring Donkey Kong Country Returns over. And now if Nintendo is making a 2D Donkey Kong at one of their internal EAD studios, I don't know what direction you... I mean, I guess they could technically make a Donkey Kong Country game. And if it does relate to the theme park, which we have the leaks, the theme park is themed, yeah. or the setting is after Donkey Kong Country. So that would indicate to me that whatever Nintendo is developing is Donkey Kong Country related. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting to, to think about. Um, but... Hmm. I mean, I, I'd love for them to, to basically get the NVIDIA Shield game and, and just port it over to the Switch. I mean... That seems yeah. like the, you know, the quickest point to to get something Donkey Kong related mm-hmm. onto the Switch, because I mean, you basically you have the game already; it's there, it's it's available for you. Um, yes, but yeah, I I don't know, man. I I just beyond a um, a <laughs> uh, battle royale or a competitive uh, multiplayer eShop timed exclusive game, I'm not seeing seeing much for Donkey Kong this year. Yeah, it seems like it's one of those franchises that they could really surprise us with something with Donkey Kong this year. They could. Or it's going to be yeah. just a case of, oh, that's cool. Yep. So bring back the king of the jungle. Yep. And press us, Nintendo. It's been a while since we've had a good Donkey Kong game. I mean, Tropical Freeze came out in, what was it 2018? Mm-hmm. I mean, I Miyamoto is, uh, you know, that's that's one of his favorites. So, you know, if, if yes. his... If his um, influence is anything to go by we may we may see some some donkey kong stuff this year i just i just think about the average nintendo fan out there you know where they right. rank donkey kong in in the list of games that they're they're interested in and you got to be honest it's probably fifth or sixth down the down the down the order there you know yeah unfortunately i mean this was their big franchise for many years and he's kind of taken us it's fallen down that mm-hmm. ranking quite yep. considerably in recent years. Now, another game that has an anniversary this year is Golden Sun. It's the 20th anniversary. The developer of this game was Camelot. They also make some of the Nintendo sports games. And the last Golden Sun game was on the DS. Yes. It wasn't that good. The Game Boy Advance games were far superior. And a lot of people have been saying, well, is Golden Sun going to come back? I don't see the sun rising in 2020. <laughs> I, I don't either. I don't <laughs> either. I love the Golden Sun games. I, I would I would love for them to to make a return. Maybe maybe if um, Nintendo Switch Online gets Game Boy Advance, that we will see Golden Sun. You know, in in that capacity as just an emulated yes. game. But <laughs> I don't think. I mean, Golden Sun is a dormant franchise and it has been for many many years. <laughs> I don't see it returning for the Switch. Yeah, neither do I. Not Nothing beyond Nintendo Switch Online getting Game Boy Advance games, as you mentioned. Now, speaking of Nintendo Switch Online, this year is the 25th anniversary of the Nintendo 64. My favorite console. 
And we have NES, Super NES. So next in line is Nintendo 64. And that's where they could actually celebrate a lot of these franchises simply by adding N64 Nintendo Switch Online. You can add Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. You can add Donkey Kong 64. You can add Pokemon Snap or yeah. a Pokemon Coliseum game. And you cover all of those bases just by adding N64 to Nintendo Switch Online. Do you think 2021 is the year we see N64 join Nintendo Switch Online? Keeping in mind, they did not add a new piece of hardware in 2020 to their service. Right. Well, technically, we know that the Switch is capable of running N64, so there's no worries there. I think you know emulation is is good. The part that I struggle with is the price around this. They could easily add Nintendo 64 to Switch Online, but do you keep the price where it is? And and let me kind of explain that. If you're going to drop, you know, a Legend of Zelda collection this year, but you don't have when uh, if you, you don't have Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and then you kind of default those games to adding them to the Nintendo Switch Online with the inclusion of Nintendo 64. If I was Nintendo, I'd want to make money on on those. And the way to do that, obviously, is to charge a high premium for the mm-hmm. you know the ability to run N64 and have access to those games. So that's the part I struggle with 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 this. Does Nintendo offer Nintendo 64 games at the same price, or do they take a a, a you know a calculated gamble? Let's be honest. And some people may say, you know, what is this? You know, why are you jacking up the price for a thing that I'm not interested in? Some people don't even <laughs> don't even care about Nintendo Switch Online. And then right. offer N64 games and then offer a curated list and start adding Nintendo 64 titles. I don't think we're going to see N64 coming to Nintendo Switch Online for that reason alone. I don't think Nintendo knows how to tier a another level of their online service without upsetting a lot of people what do you think i mean i i do see them adding n64 to the service eventually but you bring up the good point of they would likely have to raise the yearly subscription price or add another tier of at 20 dollars, you have nes super nes and online play for we'll say 40 dollars a year you get all the below tier plus n64 and you know that's a tough marketing sell but at the same time, it's kind of a case of how much value does Nintendo truly see in their N64 games anymore? Yeah. Because if they saw significant value, I would HD Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, all these N64 games similar to what we've seen Night Dive Studios do with Turok or Doom 64 and release them as individual releases for you know, 15, 20 bucks. I don't know if Nintendo sees the value in doing that right now. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who would pay that premium price for those games. But Nintendo may be sitting there saying, this is 25 years ago. Can we get away with that type of pricing structure again or any at all? So if we include Nintendo Switch Online, at least we have your money. You're part of that ecosystem. We're guaranteed that 20 bucks a year. Or if we introduce a higher tier, you know, 30 or $40 a year, we know we have you. 
is that more profitable in the long term than short term gains by selling them as individual HD games? And you know, those are a lot of variables for them to weigh. Mm-hmm. I think we see N64 join Nintendo Switch online this year. I just don't know if they assign it to a new tier or not. Yeah. It's it's a tough marketing sell for them if they do. But if you have a strong catalog of N64 games to launch that service with, you might get a lot of investment. But you need games like you have to make a deal with Microsoft and whoever currently holds the rights to GoldenEye. You have to have something like GoldenEye on there. You have to negotiate with Microsoft and you have to get Perfect Dark N64 on the service. That's that's another part of this that I struggle with is, yeah, the, the rare license obviously is, is something that is a massive, massive void that they would have to fill. And you're right, they would have to make an agreement with Microsoft to get some of their games on that service. No, no question about mm-hmm. it. So... It's tough. It's really it's tough to predict at this state. I mean, we're in January, but I could see N64 being added at some point. So other things that we're going to going to see in 2021 is we're going to see three new Smash characters added to Smash Ultimate. Nintendo's confirmed that Animal Crossing is going to get DLC. The Kirby team has hinted at a new Kirby game. Mm-hmm. And these are the big two I want to touch on is that we're overdue for a game from the Mario Kart team. Their last game was ARMS and we're overdue for a new 3D Mario game from that development team because Odyssey also came out in 2017 and we're kind of overdue for something from the Splatoon team. Yeah. So these are three big studios at Nintendo. Do we see a game from each of them in 2021? And let's start with Splatoon. Splatoon 2, they basically stopped the Splatfest. I believe they only they do like some sporadically. But they did tease something way back in 2020 where it said SOS and nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. I think we see Splatoon in some form, whether it's a three or some sort of spinoff, come in 2021. Yes. Yes, I, I would say so. I think it's time. I think I think we're ready for a, a new Splatoon game, whether it, like you said, whether whether it's a spinoff or it's a brand new game. I do think there is um, there is more there, and I think we'll see it this year. Now, a new 3D Mario game. We are going to have 3D World launch in February. Do you think we see a new 3D Mario game in 2021, even with? Bowser's Fury coming out this year because Nintendo's kind of that company. They don't want to overkill you with yeah. too much of the same franchise, but we're going into four years since Odyssey. Their new project has to be underway. Is it ready? Is it time for Odyssey 2? It's going to be time for Odyssey 2 next year. I don't think it's this year. Um, I, I think they, they finish strong with 3D World Bowser's Fury. But I think we forget about Mario for a short while. And then I think 2022 is when I would expect Odyssey 2. I I think if everything that we've talked about so far is coming this year, (laughs) and that's that's a big if because obviously, you know, it's Nintendo and they'll have some curveballs for us that we haven't even considered. 
Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to to see Mario. I mean, we, we're we're wrapping up Mario now. You know, we've got that that big game coming. It's hard for me to see that they'll you know they'll announce Odyssey two. Let's say for the holiday this year. I feel like it's it's a next year game for me. I think we see Odyssey two this year, and in terms of a Mario game for twenty twenty two. I think we finally see a new 2D Mario, an original 2D Mario for the Switch line. Now, I'm going to say Odyssey 2 for this holiday for one key reason, and we're going to get into that in a minute after we address the Mario Kart team game. So Mario Kart, Mm -hmm. last game that their team put out was ARMS. They did a little bit of DLC for it. I believe they've assisted a little bit with Mario Kart Tour, but... No reason that they haven't been gearing up for a new game. What is their game? Do you think it's a brand new Mario Kart, an ARM sequel, or something completely different? Um, I think it's a new Mario Kart game. But again, um, I mean, Mario Kart is probably the most evergreen game ever made, right? I mean, it just continues to yes. just sell and sell and sell. I think we'll hear more about Mario Kart, but it won't be this year. I could see them announce a Mario Kart this year, but not necessarily release it. Mm -hmm. I could see that being a case. And it comes with one big reason. But I'll get into that in a minute, too. See, so the reasoning I have for a new Mario game this year is, and it pains me to say this, but I can't dismiss the possibility that Breath of the Wild 2 releases in March of 2022. Yeah, I there's definitely some some good reason for that, you know, that um as as we're starting this year, given what we have talked about as far as the anniversaries that we have, mm-hmm. but also, you know, the elephant in the room is new switch hardware, a revision that has been right. strongly rumored. Does that revision actually come out this year? you know before the holiday or does Uh it does it come out next year right um so developers have had enough time to come to grips with the hardware they have access to dev kits they've had access to dev kits for say you know 12 months and they're working on games for that hardware do you announce breath of the wild 2 plus a new nintendo switch revision and and show off some really cool you know new tech and get people really excited about it because I think the difficulty is with a new Switch revision, Nate, you and I are going to buy one because, you know, we love tech, but the average <laughs> person that owns a Switch today, you know, you have to sell them on on something new as well, right? So um, you right. got you got to come in with some, some big heavy hitter, you know, first-party title to really kind of, you know, sit the product next to and i think maybe legend of zelda you know breath of the wild 2 isn't a holiday 2020 game yeah it's definitely a thought in my mind i mean i want breath of the wild 2 this holiday it's just i can't shake the feeling of nintendo hasn't given us any type of time frame for this game they showed the one trailer and they really haven't communicated anything about the game since we had hyrule warriors release in november and that game based on data mining should be receiving dlc so that's something that this year we should also hear about is dlc for age of calamity and 
it's just kind of a case of, as we've talked about, there's a lot of software this year, potentially. Yeah. If they do celebrate these anniversaries and that we do get two Metroid games and we get these Pokemon games and Zelda collection and a new you know, Donkey Kong game and there'll probably be a new you know, Mario sports game. We're overdue for one of those as well. That is a lot of stuff in a single year. And then, you know, we're factoring in maybe a Splatoon game. Something has to give. If it's too good to be true, then it is. Yeah. And that's where I could see them ending the Zelda anniversary year with Breath of the Wild 2 in March. And that's not even factoring in Skyward Sword releasing this year on top of that Zelda collection. Right. Because, like, if we have to pick release dates for these, I mean... I don't even know where we could place all of it. I mean, I would say Skyward Sword, maybe, you know, a late summer. But on the reverse, if Breath of the Wild 2 does make this holiday, then I end that the anniversary year with Skyward Sword in March. Yeah. It all depends on how I want to put these games out because Breath of the Wild is such a deviation from the standard set by these older 3D Zelda games. Breath of the Wild is open. These games were more linear in structure. Skyward Sword began to experiment with having an open world and not as direct of a path of how you approach dungeons in certain areas. But it's still structured very similarly to those older games. So do I want to give you Breath of the Wild 2, our next big evolution of our new vision of the franchise, before having you go back and revisit this dated game design? Probably not. I want that dated game design first. So that's where I'm open to the idea of Breath of the Wild making the fiscal year, but not making the calendar year. Yeah. I, and I mean, it, it could it could tough. very easily do that. It could, I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. Nate, it could bookend the entire gen, right? You start with yes. Breath of the Wild and you finish with Breath of the Wild too. That's, that's something <laughs> that I've thought about as well. You know, um, I was was very dead set on breath of the wild 2 coming this year but as as you know the the days have progressed and and what we've seen at the end of last year from nintendo and age of calamity and and everything um, especially with the anniversaries this year i do wonder if if you know breath of the wild 2 is um a little further away than what we actually thought it could be i mean we don't know the impacts that COVID have had on development i mean there's a lot of you know uncertainties there, and there are two other franchises that we're kind of overdue for. I know we keep going on about all the games that could come out this year, yeah. but all of these actually have a very realistic chance of happening. And the two franchises are Xenoblade, yep, and Fire Emblem. And Fire Emblem, I'm actually referring to the Echoes line, not the main line. Mm-hmm. So Xenoblade we're actually due for the next installment of that franchise. Based on history, we should see a Xenoblade Chronicles game this year. Whether it's Xenoblade Chronicles 3 or another spinoff in the style of X, not too certain. I don't believe we're getting a re-release of Xenoblade Chronicles X because I don't think Nintendo would want to do two ports of older Xenoblade Chronicles in consecutive years. I think it will be an original game. Yeah. And with Fire Emblem Echoes, they have a lot of options to explore that back catalog. We just got the very first Fire Emblem game on the Switch back in December. You have until March 
31st to buy it, $6. So if you have interest, do it. Act fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the Echoes line, there's a lot of games they can explore there. I do expect to see Fire Emblem Echoes release in 2021 on Switch, probably a late summer type of release. But it feels like we have detailed every single Nintendo franchise as a potential release well, in 2021. Having, we're having anniversaries. <laughs> you know? Right. So, uh, they, I mean, not all of them are going to get get recognition this year, but I think I think a lot of them will. And it's really about just putting the pieces in the right place. Yeah, and like I, a lot of these... And I do see more from Fire Emblem this year. I think it's it's been very successful for them this generation, and I, I think that's going to continue. Yes. Yeah, and it's really a case of all this can happen. I'm just not dead set on it being the calendar year of 2021 and not that fiscal year, yeah. which would bring us to March of 2022. I could see it over that span of 12 months of April to March where we see a lot of these franchises, a lot of these announcements take place. And this isn't even accounting for third parties. Third parties are going to have a fantastic year on Switch as well. I think we finally see the return of Mario Rabbids. That yep. game was far too successful not to see a sequel, and I think we get an announcement in 2021. And we still have the big elephant in the room for 2021, and that is the Switch Pro. Mm-hmm. We touched on it briefly with Breath of the Wild 2, Breath of the Wild 2 is likely the piece of software that launches this hardware. We talked about the tech in a previous episode. It was information that had to come across my way a few months ago. And we kind of talked about it over the weekend. I'm anticipating the Switch Pro to be more substantial than a mere overclock. Mm -hmm. I think this is actually going to be hardware that is going to follow that original vision that Iwata put out of iterative hardware. This is going to be a leap substantial enough that if they wanted to, they could market it as a successor, but they're going to market it as a revision. Mm -hmm. This is going to eventually phase out the current switch, but it's going to do so over the course of several years. We're going to see some third-party games release on the Switch Pro that the Switch original will not have, but in terms of Nintendo output, they will continue to support both platforms probably up until i'll say 2024 yeah and then you're going to see their support slowly fade away from the original switch and by 2024 we might have something that is officially branded as switch 2 mm -hmm. i think that's the direction they're going to take with the switch revision yeah and it i, I would agree i am I, um, i'm still struggling about the improvements um but i think i think we're both saying the same thing you may be thinking that it may be more powerful than what i'm thinking like i i definitely see a boost in performance as far as clock speeds and um you know in the addition of more memory and increased memory bandwidth but i also and i think this is where we do agree is that it's going to have some type of AI upscaling, whether that's DLSS or some yes. proprietary Nintendo upscaling um, uh -huh. you know, method. We don't know. It's probably going to be DLSS because obviously NVIDIA is heavily involved in, in the hardware side. So I think Nintendo, you know, one of their goals 
is to make their games look good on a 4k display which is pretty much what most people have in their in their living rooms in 2021 and beyond you know we're past that 1080p phase now so Mm -hmm. i think i think that they, they are certainly going to come up with a solution for that yeah i'm anticipating dlss hdr mm-hmm. all these modern features that we're seeing on other platforms that are quickly becoming standard i see nintendo finally embracing these and i don't think it's a i don't think it's a matter of nintendo willingly embracing it as much as nvidia saying this is the tech we have this is the tech you're using and that's a great relationship for nintendo NVIDIA is an ambitious company. They're always pushing technology. And for Nintendo to have a company like this be their supplier for SOC, this is what you want. Nintendo is a conservative company in a lot of ways. But if NVIDIA can deliver on their promise of battery efficiency, good performance, low you know, thermals mm-hmm. for a hybrid system, this is the perfect partner for Nintendo. And I think we're finally going to see this start to pay dividends moving into the Switch revision where we're going to have DLSS. This is still very new technology. And Nintendo was always hesitant to embrace new technology, except for like the 3DS. When they took that screen, glasses-free 3D, that was ambitious. Yeah, And it paid off for them. DLSS is a game changer. This is something that can actually help Nintendo close the gap between themselves and the PlayStation 5 and Series X. And what I mean by that is the Switch right now supports pretty much every modern engine. It's just a question of whether or not the developer wants to port it over, like the Dice engine in Frostbite. So the Switch revision is going to handle the RE engine. It's going to have Unreal Engine 5. It's going to have these engines that these developers are using. Now, if I design a game for the PlayStation 5, that's, I'm not going to go something with super ambitious like a Resident Evil 8. Come down a little bit. Yeah. But I can design a game now for the PlayStation 5 and say, I can get it running on the Switch revision at 540p. I got DLSS. I can get a nice, I can get a nice image quality now. And you don't even, you're not even going to recognize that performance. Now, like the CPU, the RAM, a lot of this is going to need substantial upgrades over what the current Switch has. And that's where I'm excited where Nintendo could be taking this revision. Now, these are, these are just, you know, my expectations. Right. It could still come more in line with what you have said. It can just be an overclock with 4K functionality. I think the answer will be somewhere in the middle, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the part that I guess uh, I, I always think about is Nintendo won't budge on on battery life and and thermals and heat on on the system you know so i think they have to find a happy happy medium in there somewhere that that gives you the best you know best performance in a hybrid capacity where you can get really good visuals on a modern tv and get good performance out of the system a lot better than what you have maybe the goal is you know take the current docked switch games um and and, you know, up-res those. And then in a handheld capacity, the current dock switch games now become your benchmark or your baseline, if that makes sense. So anything that's currently running on a dock switch, that that visual fidelity, that 720p, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, higher fidelity, 1080p, you want to target that for your handheld. 
And I think that's that's a good you know baseline to, to go for. And I think that's definitely achievable. And I think they can do that and keep the battery life you know up where they want it to be. But it's it's very interesting to speculate and see how this is going to play out. Um, but yeah, I do think the answer. I think I don't think we're we're I don't think either of us are wrong on this, Nate. I think somewhere in the middle, there's there's a medium, a happy medium where where I think will ultimately this will go. Yeah, I would definitely say I would agree with that. And if Nintendo does go that DLSS, 4K, HDR, and a pretty substantial upgrade, I think it's going to excite a lot of people who have wanted Nintendo to chase power. And DLSS is kind of that they're chasing power, but they're not going to get stuck in that arms race that Sony and Microsoft are engaged in because DLSS is kind of that buffer. It allows them to look bigger than they are it's an illusion but we can't even decipher a lot of people can't decipher native 4k rendering versus dlss 4k upscaling Mm -hmm. and that's the perfect type of technology for nintendo is we can stand with the big boys even though we're not that big so it's an interesting direction and that's where nvidia is just a great partner for them and i'm excited for when nintendo does eventually announce this hardware it could as we mentioned could slide into you know, early 2022, but I do think it gets announced in 2021, and I think it's going to excite a lot of people. This isn't going to be a Game Boy SP from a Game Boy type of situation. This is going to be something that is going to inspire us to double dip. It's going to spark interest from even new gamers, where they're going to say, wow, that looks phenomenal in handheld mode mm-hmm. and docked and I do want to bring it up because we had talked about it once before does nintendo introduce a dock only switch using the internals of the pro it, it it makes sense in one way you know you just basically offer an upgrade to what you currently have um and then for those people that choose to want to take the jump to the next level they, they get to retain the hardware but i also I also wonder how technically feasible that is and what limitations that may that may pose with with existing hardware. So I I'm not sure on that one. I think I think they could do that, but I do wonder what what would occur there. I mean, at a minimum you could put some type of AI upscaling chip inside mm-hmm. the dock and then have that, you know, handle your upresing for you. So that piece would be would work fine, but you still wouldn't then maybe get the the improvements in performance that you were looking for. It's not going to make developers any happier because they're still going to be targeting you know three point five gig of RAM and and and, and terrible um, memory uh, bandwidth. So I do wonder <laughs> if that's if that's a thing. But I mean, you can't rule it out, right? I mean. Right. Nintendo, they, they they seem to surprise us with this stuff. And, you know, we're all expecting just a... I think we're all expecting a Switch to be revealed that is, you know, a couple of inches larger than the current Switch. And this is the Switch Pro. But, yes. I mean, knowing Nintendo, it could be anything, honestly. They could, they could give us anything here. And I think that's right. the part that excites me and also just bemuses me as well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I do see them eventually introducing a dock only switch. That way, we have we have the hybrid serve as the flagship, 
we have light for portable only, and then we have this docked only traditional home console. I think I would position that as the lower entry point. And it's for the people who, you know, you just want to play at home. Yeah. And now if you do put those pro eternal internals in it, you get that 4K image, you get that DLSS, you get all these benefits and it makes it feel like it's a modern day Nintendo system. The Switch Pro hybrid is still there for those who want the best of both worlds. And then you have the light for people who they just want to enjoy some games. They're, you know, it's mostly that children audience or the casual gamer. I would say they want to play Fortnite, Minecraft, and those type of games. They're not heavily invested into the ecosystem yet, but that's the stepping stone. You buy the light to eventually get introduced to this dock only or the hybrid flagship model. And that's how Nintendo wants to lure you in. That's that blue ocean effect of we'll get you hooked on the light and then we'll bring you into our more premium product. Right. And I think Nintendo is going to embrace that type of marketing philosophy in a major way in 2021 and moving into 2022, especially with this type of software lineup. It's tough to resist. Yep, absolutely. And throwing some third party games in that mix. And, you know, we might be looking at a banner year from Nintendo and they just had a banner year in 2020 in terms of hardware sales, software sales, I'd say right. I'd say 2021 is going to be an exciting year if you're a Nintendo fan. Oh, I absolutely agree. This year will excite and surprise. I think. I think, like always, there's a couple of things that we don't even know about that's that's brewing right now, which I think is going to be great. And now let's move into some of the Streamlab questions because some of these date back to last month. So we had a $5 donation from Ritual of Steel X. Writes, love the show and have been a fan of MVG's channel for years. Thank you. I've noticed that in a lot of videos, MVG will test a lesser known underrated game. And I'm curious what games of recent memory, 7th or 8th gen, you guys think is overlooked. Thank you. Um, just what what's 7th and 8th gen, Nate? Is that PS3 and PS4 or is that PS4 and PS5? Are we in the ninth gen right now? <laughs> I never know. I never know. I never know because I don't understand how gens are decided with hardware. Well, let's <laughs> let's assume it's PS3 and PS4. And I apologize if if I got that wrong. But underrated games, overlooked games, um, on like on the PS3, Puppeteer is one that that immediately comes to mind as one that I I absolutely adore and and just doesn't get any mm-hmm. attention. Night, what do you yeah, got? Yeah, Puppeteer was great. <laughs> um, man, who would I come up with? Underrated or overlooked? Um, I don't know how much of it was overlooked, but I would say Vanquished. Vanquished, yeah, that's that's a good pick as well. That would be one I, that I would I would definitely um, consider. I think another one that. I guess does fit in the mold would be Ace Combat as well. Um, that was a, a great game that came out in 2019. That you know, I mean, it's a flight, flight, combat, flight sim type of game, so it's definitely got a niche audience. But it's it's a great game if you like the Ace Combat franchise. Absolutely. We then had a twenty dollar and thirty cent donation from Craig, who writes question regarding the storage memory for a Switch successor, both hardware and physical games. Could it heavily impact third-party support for larger games if Nintendo doesn't improve system storage? Since the option to lose, to use the larger carts is costly, 
32 gigabytes, not enough. Yes, it can impact third-party support. And I think Nintendo moving into like a Switch Pro and where you're going to see game size increase, I think Nintendo is going to have, have to subsidize cost for a game card. They did it early on the Switch to get certain games over, like Doom. I think they're going to have to do it again because if you want some of these larger games who may require 64 gigabyte or larger game cards, Nintendo has to subsidize some of those costs or it's going to push developers to simply say, buy a micro SD card and we're putting up a 64 gigabyte game as a digital only. That's our solution. We're a company. We're also looking to make money. Sorry, but we're passing this on to the consumer. You buy an SD card if you want to buy our game. Yep, totally agree. Then had a $20, $20 donation from Slusher, who writes, Merry Christmas, Nate and MVG. Thanks for the great content. Thank you, Slusher, and I hope you had a great holiday, too. Then had a dollar donation from Liam Werner, who writes, With streaming being the future of gaming and the inevitability that is consoles dying someday, once that happens, could Microsoft possibly acquire Nintendo? Microsoft could use them to get into the Japanese market and substantially add value to Game Pass. I do not see Microsoft ever acquiring Nintendo. Yeah, I don't see it happening either, though they did try. They tried back in 2000, and Nintendo said no. It would be a curious duo, though. I mean, both have their strengths, but Nintendo, I believe, would be a company who just goes out of business before you see them get acquired by a bigger studio. We then had a $25 donation from Zadia Quest. No question. Then had a $5 donation from Sarapod, who writes, Hey guys, what is your favorite JRPG franchise of all time? Also, which game in that franchise is your favorite and why? Thanks. Love the podcast, guys. What do you got here, Nate? Favorite JRPG... I guess I'm going to go with the safe answer and say Final Fantasy. And my favorite game in that franchise is Final Fantasy VI because it was an outstanding story with fantastic gameplay. And the characters are very memorable, unfortunately, for Final Fantasy VI because it did come out on like the Super NES. And Final Fantasy wasn't that really that big in Western markets. Final Fantasy VII completely overshadows it, but a lot of what Final Fantasy VII did in terms of character development was done better in Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy, bleh, Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, I, I would say Final Fantasy as well, but I would probably say Final Fantasy III is my favorite of that uh, franchise. Three is a good game too. And then had a $5 donation from Wintendo. Curious to your thoughts about the recent interview Miyamoto gave to The New Yorker and his thoughts on exploring darker themes in video games. His statements were surprising given the emotions explored in the Zelda, Mother, and Fire Emblem series. Oh, Miyamoto is... I'd say Miyamoto's line of thinking, it suits him. But... Yeah. It's kind of... I want video games to really delve into all types of themes because it's it is a medium of art and art is designed to do that it's meant to resonate with you it's meant to speak to you on an emotional or personal level and video games you know can do that the zelda franchise certainly has delved into some darker themes i mean majora's mask is a very dark game mother and fire emblem 
Miyamoto doesn't really have that much direct involvement with those franchises. Yeah. So I think that's kind of a case of, you know, he's not really familiar where those games are delving into. But then again, he made Pikmin and you mass murder a bunch of Pikmin to collect batteries. That's pretty dark. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) We then had a $25 donation from Skittittles, who writes, Just wanted to say thank you guys for a wonderful year of content. The Chinese Zodiac dictates 2020 as the year of the rat, but the Skittittles Zodiac views 2020 as the year of the hate. (laughs) Keep up the fantastic work, and I'll continue to pester you into 2021. (laughs) We look forward to that. (laughs) We then had a dollar donation from Elpitch, who writes, Happy New Year's, guys. I always look forward to watching your podcasts. It seems like EPD Tokyo... 3D Mario team next game is likely for 2021. What do you guys think it will be? Do you think it's Odyssey 2, the next 3D Mario, or because of 3D World, it's something else? Well, I think now, we I think we answered your question yeah. during the show, so just uh, take a listen. <laughs> Odyssey 2. <laughs> yeah, definitely Odyssey 2 and 2022 for me. But Nate, you're saying 2021? You think? I'm I'm sticking with 2021. Yep. It then had a $100 donation. This episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei. I did not mention it at the beginning. I will mention it at the beginning of the next episode. But the Zelda Sensei donated $100 and writes, Happy New Year. If there is one thing each of you want to see from gaming this year, what would it be? I I would like to see less toxicity online, less tribal fanboyism, less, (laughs) you know, PlayStation 5 is the best, everything else sucks type of stuff. I think that stuff is really just does yes. has no place in in video games, and I just want to see you know more people just enjoy playing video games rather than talking about <laughs> how great their system is and everyone else's is not. Yeah, I would definitely go with the tribalism that fanboys have formed around their favorite toy. And let's be honest, these three products: the Switch, the Xbox, and PlayStation, their toys. Less racism in gaming, yep. and. I want to see a willingness from people within the gaming community to actually have a discussion. Every episode, you and I sit down and we have a discussion about this industry and our views on it. And what I've seen, especially on social media, is that people do not have discussions anymore. It's a lot of knee-jerk reactions. It's a lot of responses to things. It's There's no time for the people to actually consume the information and then come up with a rebuttal. They respond mm-hmm. to what they're hearing. They don't listen to comprehend. They listen to respond and that's a very bad direction for society as a whole to move into. And I hope people learn to sit down and actually have conversations. You can disagree with what a company is doing or disagree that a game is good or bad, but you can have a discussion. You can have a conversation. It doesn't have to turn into insults and you know vile hatred. So that's the direction I hope the industry can move into. Then had a $1.50 donation from Zippo. No message. Then had a $5 donation from Bear Tracks. Who writes, hey, Nate, I followed you over to the Spawncast this week, and I found your passion and critique of Nintendo and the gaming industry inspiring. You did not get enough love that episode, so I'm sending it to you now. You're awesome. Thank you. People often confuse my passion and critique for anger and hatred where it's no it's passion i love nintendo i love these companies i want to see them do right by the consumer i want to see them do better as a company and find success and i don't believe that type of critique is invalid 
it's something that the industry needs and that's how the industry grows. So thank you. You took the time to listen and come up with a response and not just listen to attack. Then had a $5 donation from Slusher who writes as a non PlayStation 4 owner, looking to fill my PlayStation 5 library with PlayStation 4 exclusives, which are safe to buy and which are likely to get, which are likely to get actual PlayStation 5 version, Death Stranding and Final Fantasy VII as example. It's tough because I, I believe Final Fantasy VII will get a PlayStation 5 version of its own. So I, if you buy I, 7 right now, yeah. it's not going to get any of those benefits. They'll do like the HD remastered version of 7 for PS5 only. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, they, these are tough questions uh, this week. I know we're, <laughs> we're probably a little rusty because we just came back from the break and everything, but... Um, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, it, actual PlayStation Five versions like Final Fantasy Seven, yes. Death Stranding, I could see that happening. Yeah, I think it's safe to buy The Last of Us Part Two. I don't think they'll do a PlayStation Five version of that one. I mean, there is God that or... there, is, there is that talk about they're adding the the multiplayer to Death uh, to Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. If that is actually still on the cards, they may offer it then. But we haven't really heard much about the multiplayer of Last of Us Part Two as well, so. It's anyone's right. guess, really. Yeah, and any of the games you see on the PlayStation Plus collection, I'd say you're safe to buy or just get PlayStation Plus. You get access to God of War, Ratchet & Clank, um, The Last Guardian. There's a lot of great PlayStation 4 games there. Maybe Shadow of the Colossus you can buy on PlayStation 4. It's a fantastic remaster, and it should look beautiful on your PlayStation 5. Yep. But it's really tough because you never know what these companies are going to do. And that's the final... Streamlabs question for this week. And again, this episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei. Thank you for your generosity and support. We will dedicate the next episode to you as well because we forgot to mention at the beginning of this episode, but we do appreciate your continued support. And to everybody who made a donation on Streamlabs, thank you. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Hey, it was great to have me on again, Nate, and I'm looking forward to uh, a busy 2021. Yes, busy, busy, busy. And this was a very long episode because there was a lot to talk about. I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you did, give it a like. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. Check that notification bell. If you didn't like the video, give it a dislike. Let us know your thoughts of Nintendo's 2021 in the comment section below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.